0: with Australia produce is what I'm really big for because I think that in Australia, I truly believe that we're some of the world-class best produce in the world. Um, So I think there's no reason that why we can't have the best cuisine in the world.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The way we entertain has changed so much. Restaurants have become part of our everyday lives and equally chefs, after carving out careers, have taken their skills to the at-home market, creating private dining experience in people's homes and at special events too. What does it take to pull off these dinners and how different is it to the life in a commercial kitchen? Sam Young is a private chef and the owner of Juicy Banana. Sam, how are you going?
0: Hello, thanks for
1: having me. You've uh, had a career in uh, a lot of amazing restaurants in in Sydney, but you've changed tack to be a private chef. What led to that decision?
0: Um, I've been working for the hospitality group Maryvale for a very long time since Mr Wong was open, and that was about eight years ago. Um, I started my own business during the first pandemic, when the pandemic started during the first lockdown. because I was, all the staff was stood down, and I need to survive. So I start. I first started being um, doing take-home dinners, um, like delivery service. Then, when all the restaurants started open again, we are still in a limitation. So basically, we are all on the 1.4 square meter rule. So basically, we're all not back to full time or back to normal. Um, I have a big thing that I want to ensure all my. My, the chefs work under me or kitchen hand have shifts before me because they are usually the one that from international on a visa, which they have no any protection. So I my priorities, I give them the shift first, then myself. So to survive during the pandemic, uh, I've launched my um, private dining experience at people home. And that's how COVID has changed my life completely for the last 15, 16 months.
1: Well, tell us about what that shift was like for you. Obviously, you did it for survival, but how different was it trying to create those private experiences in people's home compared to the restaurant life that you were used to?
0: It, it's, it's a, I'll talk about the changes first. Uh, it was a really intense experience during the first few months of the lockdown um, because I, I, I'm very passionate about food and about cooking, and, and food is my life. And I've been doing that for the last how many years I've been cooking, and I, I just don't see myself not cooking for others. Um, so I guess that's mo- what motivate me to become a private chef to cook in other people's home, because I can still do that. Um, cooking in private dinners is very challenging and exciting at the same time because you never get to see the kitchen you'll be working with again. So you walk up and there might be you no know, oven or there might be the fridge might be broken or like there's many interesting stories throughout and you go to some of the most incredible house or apartment that I've ever seen in my life. but then also there's some houses that is a bit um, small and hard to work with. And it's pretty much a mix in the bag and you just got to work with wherever you got to work with and pull it off and put on a good experience for your customer.
1: Well, I'd love to get into some of the stories of the adventures that you've been on, but let's go back. Tell us about food in your family growing up.
0: So my mom is a very, very good cook. Um, Growing up in Hong Kong, um, I'm always spoiled because mom will always, food is a big part of our family just like most of the asian culture families like food is really big and um, my mom is a really good cook to a certain extent that my mom loves to cook for other families and other friends or even at church like we'll have potluck um, lunch like where you bring a dish and my mom dish will always be the one that people love the most and and i guess that's how I got into food because I really enjoy eating my mom's food or I really enjoy eating. And I think that's um, that's where I have a really strong connection between me and food. Are there any dishes or
1: feasts that you recall from your youth that you have such fond memories about?
0: Well, I think the one of the most important dish to me for my mom is my mom' dumplings. And I guess that is the reason why during the pandemic I launched, uh, I start selling dumplings in supermarket with my mom recipe because for me that's the the biggest connection between me and my mom and I would love to deliver that experience to my friends and family and followers in in, on Instagram in Sydney.
1: Tell us about these dumplings that you launched what what sort of varieties were there and what makes them so special?
0: So so my mom my mom Uh, have this recipe that she make uh, this garlic chives dumpling with pork and there's also dried shrimp in there and there's also like shiitake mushroom in it. They're not cheap to make and because just with the ingredient they're they're fairly expensive but I remember when I was a kid I would easily, when I was age of 10, I would easily eat 20 to 30 dumplings at at a time because I love it so much right? And these are the dumplings that even my family, beyond my my family friends would love it so much, they would put the order to order for my mum. And my mum would just make the dumpling and freeze it and then pass it on to them without charge, obviously. But during the pandemic start, I would think to myself, I was like, well, I can carry that legacy and let people try my mum's recipe because that's a really important um, dumpling to my in my life. Um, so, Originally, the original recipe called for pork, but I realized that a lot of my clientele or my customer doesn't eat pork. So um, when Chagoo Charlie's asked me to develop a dumpling recipe for them to sell my dumpling via all the Chagoo Charlie's shops, I developed a chicken dumpling recipe so I can sell it through all their shops. And, um, And that was a really big hit. And... Later on I also launched a prawn dumpling for all the pescetarian or people doesn't eat meat so that's that's at the moment we had three variety that I had launched last year in the pandemic.
1: Your mom inspired you to become a chef but tell us about what it was like when you first started working in a commercial kitchen
0: um I guess my first commercial kitchen experience is probably like when I went to school in the US, um, probably working in the school cafeteria kitchen. And that's where my first experience are. And I guess I always somehow, I left home since I'm 13 and I always seem to have connection with the kitchen because I love to eat. And kitchen is the place where the food is available all the time.
1: You've traveled all over the globe, Italy, Canada, Hong Kong, Vietnam, Malaysia. Um, tell us about the experiences that you've had and what influence they've had on you cooking.
0: So I I left home since I'm 13. I went to Canada for boarding school for two years. Then I lived in um, the US for six years after that. Then just before I head home, I actually lived to go to school in Italy for three months and I went back to Hong Kong to become, trying to become, learn to become a chef and learn the craft for about a year. Then I was on a single ticket to Australia for, after 12 years later, I'm still here.
1: <laughs> what made you decide to come to Australia?
0: Well, I was working in Hong Kong for trying to learn the craft of cooking. And I discovered it from my colleagues. There's actually a thing called working holiday visa. And my colleagues actually, my my fellow chef actually went to Scotland And we we use a lot of ingredients in Hong Kong from Australia, the Australian Wagyu, Australian lobsters, Australian rocket salad. Like we use a lot of ingredients in Australia and and they're beautiful and they're amazing. And I thought to myself, I actually never been to Australia. So I was like, I want to go and check it out and see what's all this delicious food come from.
1: Where did you uh, first get a job in Sydney? And tell us what it was like uh, compared to the... Um, culinary landscape of Hong Kong. Uh,
0: actually, it was a it was a huge story that when I first started in Sydney, um, after fourteen days of um, in Sydney, I actually my spa passport and all my travelling money got stolen in a trial of a restaurant. So I I had three thousand dollars with me when I came to Australia and. I used 1000 already when I first arrived and I have $2,000 left and all that money and my passport got stolen when I did a trial in a Greek restaurant. So basically I, I had nothing to, to start with. So I end up getting a job at a cafe, a really average or not so great cafe in Eastwood um, just to survive and, and try to, make a buck to survive right and so basically i worked in that cafe for about a year um then wasn't wasn't very glamorous wasn't very um good Uh, nothing good about that cafe but i learned like how to work quickly and you know wash washing dishes and just grew my way up you know And, and i think it's that attitude that i really took away from it
1: where did that lead to what, what was some of the what was the first restaurant uh, that changed things for you in Sydney?
0: So I pretty much I, after the cafe I went to uh, La Cordon Blue, um, the cooking school um, in Sydney. and then uh, basically after I finished the school, I got an internship opportunity in Cafe Sydney. and that was probably one of the first commercial restaurants I ever worked in in Sydney like in the, the, the good restaurants. Um, I was on the oysters shucking station and all, I only have one job is shucking oysters, dozen and dozen of oysters. Like in Christmas time, we probably shuck about a hundred dozen oysters per day. Wow. Um, so it was a really um, interesting experience, I guess, for me. Um, but then after that, I finished my school. Um, then I, my first, actually very first job was actually working uh, opening team of Mr. Wong.
1: Wow, well, that restaurant uh, is one of the busiest in Sydney and has had incredible chefs come out of that kitchen as well and do other things. What was it like, the energy of that kitchen in the early days? Do you have any memories you can share?
0: Mate, I'll, I'll never forget that restaurant. Uh, it was It was really, really busy. And also the intensity was really, really intense right? It's a big brigade. It's a big team and, and so many amazing chefs in that kitchen at the same time together. And and I, I think that's a period of time that I'll, I'll never forget.
1: You ended up working for numerous venues for Maryvale. Um, what were the real highlights for you?
0: I think the highlight, I really enjoyed my time working for Mr. Wong as a, in the beginning, because, um, it was, it was really opened my eyes up what, what a really busy kitchen is like. Um, but I think the highlight of my time in Maryville is probably the last restaurant I work at, which is Lotus in Pots Point. Um, it was a pop-up restaurant for, uh, we knew that it was a one year pop-up restaurant. And I think that the experience there really got me a good foundation of how to run my own business nowadays. Well,
1: Lotus was a, a hat tilt to the re- restaurant that had been there many years earlier in the same site. What was it like combining with um, Dan Hong and sort of recreating that, but giving it a new life as well?
0: Well, I guess the first. Well, when I first took the job, I thought I oh, would you just be cooking dance with for, you know, for 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 a year, and then I'll move on and do do something myself. Um, but I guess the pandemic really change up a lot of things because my goal is to have the most revenue in in the restaurant as possible because that way we can have we can afford the staff to give them the shifts so we have really focused on premiumization of the dishes so we end up like selling wagyu every day truffle every day caviar every day and everyone wants the premium experience and i think that's that's where I realised that there's a big market in Sydney that people actually want a premium dining experience.
1: Tell us about your cooking. As you mentioned, you spend spent a lot of time in different countries. How has that time spent in those countries influenced your cooking?
0: Well, I guess, like, my, my heritage is from Hong... I'm from Hong Kong myself, right? So, obviously, I have a huge passion with Chinese food. However, I also live in North America for about six years. So, I guess, like the North American food for me, which is whether it's a lobster roll or whether it's a piece of nice ribeye steak, you know, that that's really where my passion are. Um, and also like, I'm obsessed with the country, Italy. Like I, I love Italian food. I love Italian cars. I I, I, I just love, I'm obsessed with the cultures. And, and that's the reason why I went to school there. So I guess like pasta and noodles is kind of like, where my passion are. And I guess I wouldn't call myself, my food is like fusion because when you say fusion, it's you combine two really, um, you you have really good knowledge of two cuisine and combine them together, which I, I don't think I know enough or a lot, but then I kind of just put um ingredient and food that i like together us and using different techniques of different countries and and put up food that i love to eat for my customer some
1: people like to um, share uh, the similarities between italy and and china with noodles and pasta and all different things within the cuisine do you think there's similarities there
0: uh, absolutely i think i think I think what my, my vision are is, I think that between the two cultures, first of all, they're all very passionate about eating. Uh, we're very care, be produce driven, um, with what's seasonal and what's not seasonal. And I just think that there's too many stuff that, you know, like we have the similar stuff, but just in different style. For example, Italian, we have Italy, we have pasta, we have noodles, right? And they'll have borghetto and we'll have like a, a roast pork. You know what I mean? And I think that, like, we we just have very similar stuff, but that I think the flavor profile could excite each other. Like, like for example, I'm using pasta, but I'm using Chinese flavors, which was which, which really delicious. And I just think that that's what I want to do in the future.
1: You mentioned that uh, doing private dining, uh, there's been all sorts of challenges and hurdles. Um, do you have any stories that you can tell us about of, of one or two of the dinners where that it has surprised you or shocked
0: you i was i was I was on a holiday house in the southern uh southern highland right to to cook for a, a private dinner. Um, it's like a three hour drive away from Sydney and basically halfway during the cooking after we send the first course, the whole house has turned with no guests. So all the oven didn't work, all the gas stove didn't work. There's no hot water access to the house. And pretty much that I just have to work out the whole menu with just my little hapachi that I bring with me all the time with charcoal and a little small portable gas stove. But at the end of the day, we we make it happen and we we cook it nicely. But at the same time, stuff like that is really challenging. Tell us a
1: bit about the team that you've created there, and how you guys work together.
0: The team is actually very small. Um, so my girlfriend or my partner is actually a very good chef herself. Uh, her name is Grace, aka the Super Banana on Instagram. Um, but she she was she she we we met each other at um, Maryvale in our time in Miss Cheese together. But then we work together at Miss Cheese, Queen Chow, Tollys. Like we, there's many restaurants we work together. Um, then she moved on to um, Polly Restaurant in Surrey Hills. So she's actually a very good chef. And but pretty much we work together really closely and really well um, because I'm really good with like talking and socializing with the guests and a little bit of cooking, I guess. And she's very organized and she cooks really well. And I think that um, that's a really unique chemistry that we have and we help each other and build on the business.
1: Take us to one of the events that you do. Can you give us an idea of the sort of dishes that you're cooking and experience that you deliver?
0: So um, I have a signature menu that I always do. Um, so you always start with a luxury seafood platter um, from ingredient around the world and Australia. Uh, I believe that there's no better way to start with a, a meal with a, 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 the best seafood available um, in Australia and around the world. Um then you'll move on to uh, always. I always have a pasta course which is uh, usually lobster pasta or truffle pasta when it's truffle season which I'm absolutely obsessed with and then at the end you will always have uh, a steak and different sides, right? Uh, A wagyu steak to be accurate which I cook on the hibachi right in front of you Um, and then you have dessert to finish so usually that's the structure of my my menu because um, not, most importantly, is it, it has to be executionally perfectly because you can't do anything too complicated. So I just like to feature the best ingredient that I can source and really showcase the ingredient and let the ingredient speak for itself.
1: With this uh, new business that you created out of uh, the adversity of COVID and the challenges involved, um, what, what is it that you love about what you're doing?
0: Uh, I guess like I love cooking for, I guess that interaction with guests that I can see their facial expression when they eat my food and that satisfaction is, is really inspiring me to push harder and, and make better food. Um, also like, I guess like it's very, my service is very personal where you can twist your menu, you can change your menu. If there's a special ingredient you want me to feature, I can feature that ingredient. So it's like, it's, it's really good. Like, for example, I went to I went down to South Coast one time to cook uh, a dinner and and the guy in the morning went and dived and got lobsters for themselves. So I pretty much just cooked the lobster over fire and served them the ingredient that they serve themselves. And also like, for example, truffle seasons, right? Like I could have done, um, we can go truffle hunting with my clients and, I will serve the truffle that they hunt for themselves and cook them a meal from the truffle that they actually work for it, which is a really cool experience in my opinion.
1: With the changes that you've had and the success of this, do you see yourself going back to working in restaurants?
0: Absolutely. My dream has never changed. My dream is still to have a restaurant with my my partner and girlfriend, um, Grace, and and that dream has never been stopped at so the whole private dining scene is, is great, it's fantastic, but I'm really looking forward to go back to a restaurant and, and do a service again.
1: What sort, what sort of uh, cuisine and offering are you thinking about when that day comes?
0: It's very hard to say now because I, I'm, I'm a believer of we need to cook what the market needs or we need to cook the food that what the customer wants because I think that there's no point that you cook Whatever you want to cook, but the customer actually don't want it. Um, but I guess my style of food, I guess, or our style of food, will be a lot influenced with, with fire and fire cooking, uh, because that's what Grace, my girlfriend, is very passionate about. Um, there will be also like featuring like flavors from Italy and Chinese for sure, because that's that's where my passion are. But what we really want to do is just a a little bistro that you know, um, just like in Paris, like a little bistro, but you 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 do a really small menu, but you you do it really well, and I think that's what we're aiming for.
1: For someone that's well travelled and also has family and friends back in uh, your original homeland, Hong Kong, what sort of impact has it had on you the inability to travel and connect with them?
0: Well, I mean, I it, uh, I'm, I'm I'm very lucky. I'm a very lucky guy i've been travel for the last 20 years in my life um i guess every opportunity that i have i can go back to see my family i would do that but then every time when i go home that will lead to a different adventure to any asian country nearby which i i i, I get inspired every time when i go travel and i eat you know and i think that um bring back the experience overseas and trying to recreate in, in Australia is what with Australia produce is what I'm really big for because I think that in Australia, I truly believe that we're some of the world, but world-class best produce in the world. Um, so I think there's no reason that why we can't have the best cuisine in the world.
1: Big Sam Young is your Instagram handle, but during the pandemic, you've been on a fitness kick. T- tell us about that.
0: Actually, that fitness um, journey start, started when I was still working with Maryvale. Um, they have a program to have chefs to go on like a boot camp for um, for for 10 weeks. Um, then I got introduced and um, to this gym called 4th Athletic in Paddington. And uh, basically, I went on a journey and trying to uh, be healthier because... I was a big guy for a very long time and um, I haven't been looking after myself very much I'm always like I have a reputation I love to eat and I, I eat a lot and so I guess like I realised that it's, it's time to wake up and, and look after myself a bit more um, so I'm into that fitness journey but it's extremely hard I, I, I want to be honest right and, and the challenge is not it's not easy because I work with food every day and I cook some of the best ingredients in Australia every day and, and it's very hard to to be in control and just you know um, not indulge myself too much have the,
1: the changes in your life uh, career wise have they changed the way that you approach cookery and and um, and life
0: uh, absolutely, I think I I used to uh, really enjoy eating like fine dining kind of food. I guess uh, when I was a young chef's, but I think I have changed quite a lot throughout the last few years. I, I think my my food is is more comfort comfort food, I guess, or more less technical, but more focus on the ingredients, I guess, and more simple. Uh, I just think that. Um, like I just like if I die tomorrow right I just really want to eat a really perfectly cooked piece of steak like a big ribeye and that's that's exactly what I want and I think that's that's what where driven me that to to pursue on that you know if you if we just find the best piece of steak available in Australia um, then then you will just cook it nicely and and you already done half of your job you know
1: Well, Sam, I tend to agree. If you get great ingredients, um, half the battle is over. Uh, We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Uh, Please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep